0: So we're going to try to, we, we, we've talked about um, hearing the voice of God the first week. We talked about the gift of prophecy the second week, and those things obviously go hand in hand. Last week we talked about worship and, and sort of integrated uh, everything into that. And after worship we allowed people to give prophetic declarations and testimonies and stuff like that. And so tonight we're going to talk about healing specifically. And then hopefully what we're going to do is we're going to pray for healing where we need to, and uh, and then we might even have a little bit of worship just briefly and, and move into some, some other things as well so we can incorporate everything that we've learned into this one meeting. Does that sound pretty good? Everybody ready for that? So we're going to talk about uh, healing tonight, but let's just take a moment and let, let's pray together. Let's just sort of set our... Set our hearts toward the Lord and ask him to to speak to us. Father, we just open our hearts and our minds to you tonight. And Holy Spirit, we acknowledge your presence. And Lord, you said where two or three are gathered together in your name, you are in their midst. And so, Lord, it's a normal thing for miracles to happen when you are in our midst. And it is a normal thing for healing to happen when you are in our midst, and it's a normal thing, God, for you to speak to us when you're out here in our midst, and so we're gathered in your name, Jesus, and we come to worship you, to learn from you, Holy Spirit, and to grow and to step into, God, what you've called us to be as Christians and as disciples. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We believe you're going to speak to us tonight in a major way, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So listen, when we talk about healing, healing, uh, it's kind of a difficult subject. And even sometimes when I've, when I've talked to uh, pastors before and, and said, you know, I'd like to teach, teach more on healing. Honestly, a lot of the people I talk to, they're afraid uh, to do it for various reasons. And, and I think sometimes when you talk about healing, there is really a battle for healing. There's a battle for all of the gifts of God. You recognize that. I mean, there is a, there's a war that's going on because the enemy wants to maintain as much ground as he possibly can. And if he can keep us from moving forward in any area that is actually going to help humanity, he's going to try to keep us from moving into that. And here's what happens when it comes to healing. Every single person in this place, we have all had an experience where somebody in our life didn't get healed, and it caused us emotional trauma. Yeah, right? Every single one of us. I've I've prayed for people. I've prayed and fasted for people, people that I've loved, and they didn't get healed. And so we understand that. We understand that we live in a fallen world, right? That, that that, That we're broken, that our bodies are broken, that our souls are broken, and that Jesus came to heal us. And listen, when Jesus came to heal us, he came to heal us holistically, spirit, soul, and body. So for your spirit... He actually heals you in that He breathes new life into you and He makes you a new creation in your spirit. And in your soul, He heals you, bringing you deliverance literally from the demonic. He begins to renew your mind. He frees you from depression, from anxiety, from fear. He heals you in your soul and He begins to reorder your thoughts so that you think according to the will and according to the mind of Christ, right? But then also, He begins to heal you physically, and you are a three-part being, so when God heals you, He's not just interested in healing you in spirit, but you being miserable in your mind for the rest of your life and tormented, and then you being sick the rest of your life, struggling in your health so that you can never function. No, ultimately, He wants to heal you, spirit, soul, and body completely, okay? We believe that, right? And, and, and sometimes it's hard for us to believe that because we have experienced differently, and what I want you to understand is, is that we cannot, no matter how much pain that we've had, what we've got to do is if we've suffered loss or we've suffered pain or we've seen people not get healed that we love, we've got to allow the Lord to come and heal us emotionally emotionally. And remind us of who He is and what His nature is and that His nature to heal. Because until we're healed emotionally from that loss or that pain, we actually will never be able to step back into the place where we believe Him once again, that He is healer, because we're not, no longer basing His nature upon, upon His Word and who Jesus says He is. We're now basing His nature upon the bad experience that we've had. So, Okay? So the Lord's got to heal us of that bad experience. But let me tell you something. Even Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. We live in a world that is ultimately the ruler of this system of things, this world system. It's been corrupted by Satan. And he is at work bringing loss, death, and destruction, bringing sickness, disease, and torment into people's lives. And Jesus has come to heal that, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So that's the big, big thing. we we got to be aware of people's... uh, Soul wounds, we've got to be aware that people need healing, not just physically, but they need it spiritually, they need it mentally and emotionally. Um, so, but first, now i got to be honest with you, I'm going to talk more about physical healing tonight. Now, in the in the days to come, we're going to have, Tina and I have been actually talking about doing something called soul care, which will be more about emotional healing, and we will incorporate that in the months to come in, the, in this type of a setting, so... Uh, But in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 and 28, I'm going to read all kinds of verses uh, because it's just good to get Scripture in you. Uh, But 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 through 28 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And notice what it says. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that miracles, and then gifts of healings. Now, it lists more, it lists more, but here's the point that I want to make. that Literally, if you read that in the Greek, he says, okay, there's a structure, there's an order in the church. God's put apostles in the church, then he's put prophets, and then he has put teachers, and after that, it says, after that, you have miracles, and then you have healings. Now I want you to notice that because teaching comes before breakthrough happens in areas of, of in these areas of our lives. You will not, some people will say, well, you know, we don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. How come we never see those things happen? And my answer to them, to them would be, well, one, because you don't desire them, and two, because they are not taught to you. Okay? So there's a lot of things that God wants to do in our life. But until we step into those things, until those things are taught among us, we're not going to see them. So I'm telling you, almost every time that I've ever taught on spiritual gifts, you see an outbreak just for a moment. But it's like faith goes down, it lingers a little bit, it wavers, and then it's no longer there. But when there is teaching release and, and, and people begin to have an understanding, they begin to desire these things more, you start to see a, a breakout, a breakthrough of, of miracles And of healing. And then, of course, it goes on to list other things. It goes on to list other things. But I'm just, we're talking about those two, and those two are first. Now, miracles and healing, uh, they're listed as two separate things. A miracle is a miraculous instance, something that happens instantaneously. And I love instantaneous, don't you? Matter of fact, I wish everything was instantaneous. But I've also seen people healed and, and things healed progressively. You ever seen that happen? I mean, in my mind, if the doctor says, you know, I went to the doctor the other day and I had a corneal ulcer, okay? And, and, and the dude told me, you know, well, it wasn't even dude, it was a woman. She was a really nice woman. But she told me, but she told me nevertheless uh, that, you know, this, this is a pretty, pretty serious ordeal, People, if it got over your pupil, you could lose, have permanent vision loss and all this. And she, so she told me to take my contacts out and, and, uh, and gave me some eye drops. And thank God for medicine, because I believe that there are some instances when medicine can help. Medicine can bring healing, because this thing's going to be healed. And she said, now this is going to scar, but it won't affect your vision most likely. And, you know, and I looked at it and it said it'll take two to three weeks to heal. Now, right now, I'll be honest with you, I have had, I've had no pain. I believe it's healed. And, and in that sense, the, the doctor gave me a report. But i got to be honest with you, as soon as I knew this was happening, I've been praying over my eye every day. I've been praying for healing. And I've even been praying that when I go back, she's going to see that there's, there's not even a scar there. So there's no permanent damage. So, yeah, we can, doctors at some points have good things to offer. And we should seek medical help because there's just good natural things that are given to us for healing that that I believe God's given us, but we don't put our faith in those things. We put our faith in God. And here's what the big thing is, though. The real things that we deal with are issues that medicine can only kind of cover the symptoms. It doesn't actually heal the disease, okay? And we want God to break through, and we want to see the disease healed. We don't want to just have to cope with symptoms and and take antidepressants or, or do different things. We want healing from these things, And God offers that according to Scripture, so we want to press into that. Now, here's what I want to say is that the average believer probably doesn't even realize that there is a calling and a destiny on their life to actually heal the sick. Most people believe that there's a, healing the sick. Is just some weird dude. That's been in the woods for like four months or something. You know that comes out. And he's a professional minister. And as far as the average believer. We don't really actually heal the sick. We're not called to do that. Let me, let me tell you something though. The, the scripture says that there's a certain type of person. That will lay hands on the sick. And the sick shall recover. Do you know what, what type of person that, that is? It says believers. It doesn't say like prayed up and fasted Christians, it says, believers shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's good enough for me. I remember the first time I read that, I said, boy, that's good enough for me. I believe I'm going to lay my hands on a sick dude. Amen. Amen. I mean, I, I want to be able to take God's word at face value. And, and so we need to understand that, that, that it's, it's, and here's the other thing. Jesus didn't just heal the sick to prove that he could. Now, most people would teach that. Well, Jesus came to the earth and in order to prove that he was the Son of God, he healed the sick. Now, he didn't just come to heal the sick to prove that he could. He came to heal the sick to prove that you could. That's why he took on humanity. Because he was showing you, look, I'm God, but I'm here as God But I'm also here as human to restore humanity. I could have showed up as a big spirit figure that looked like a dove because I'm God. I can do anything I want to. But I showed up in human flesh to demonstrate to you how you are supposed to live as God's creation. Somebody amen me on that. So Jesus didn't just come to demonstrate what he could do. He came to demonstrate what you could do as a human being in right relationship with the Father, clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit and filled with God himself. He says, this is what it looks like to be a human being in right relationship with the Father. This is how Adam should have been, but he lost it, and that's why you're in the shape you're in, but I've come as the last Adam to get it back, and now you can be in the shape I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like preaching. That just feels good when I say stuff like that. I, my belly just starts to burn. You, I mean, do you sense the Holy Spirit in, 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 in those truths? You've got to allow those to saturate right down into your spirit so that they get in there. So he does that. He finishes the work. But here's the interesting thing. Even before Jesus finishes the work... In Matthew 10 and Luke 9, you see the same thing going on. But in Matthew 10, he says stuff like this. Like, for example, he says in verse 5, "These, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded... Well, let's look at verse 1. It says, And when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now, somebody would argue, well, this is for the, for the disciples. This is for the disciples only. Let me ask you something. Are you his disciple? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Now, somebody say, well, yeah, but that ended with the apostles. Well, then how come Paul is telling an entire church in Corinth who was a bunch of Gentiles and weren't apostles that you need to desire the best gifts? You need to desire miracles. You need to desire healing. And somebody will say, well, yeah, but I mean, just the other day, I think somebody was, was in here listening, and they, they, the, the, day, the day after, they, we were talking about prophecy, they got on, and, and this dude who was the, the, the head of the Southern Baptist Convention, probably a wonderful man of God. Listen, great men and, and women of God can really love the Lord, really serve the Lord, and believe wrongly in some areas. I can believe wrongly in some areas. Most likely I do. I'm willing to bet beyond a shadow of a doubt though that I don't believe wrongly about the fact that God still heals and does miracles. Now, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, the only verse that they use in 1 Corinthians 13 is that, listen, what's going to happen is he says, whether there be, he talks about love. He says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. And love never fails. He says, but whether there be prophecies, they shall they shall cease. Whether they be tongues, they, they, they shall cease. Whether there is knowledge, right? It shall, it shall vanish away. He says, for now I know in part, and I prophesy in part. Okay? So here's what he's saying. Now I know in part, and I prophesy. So when we prophesy, if we give a word of prophecy, we don't get the full vision, do we? We get just a little nugget, just a little insight. He said, I prophesy in part. He says, but then when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part... Shall be done away. And then he talks about how when he was a child, he thought like a child, he reasoned like a child. He says, but then he says, the fullness is going to come, and he says, we will see him face to face. So when the perfect, what they teach is that when the Bible was finished, that was the perfect, and since we have the Bible, all miracles, all healings have passed away. And that would be a sad story. It's like I said to you before. God says, I love you, I want a relationship with you, but I don't want to talk to you. Here, read this book and take off. That'd be no kind of relationship at all. God still desires to encounter us. He still desires to do miracles. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, there's going to be a time. Guess what, y'all? When prophecies will cease, when nobody will speak in tongues, when there won't be uh, healing, when there won't be miracles, all of those things will be done away. You know when it is? When the perfect has come, and that is the full redemption of humanity because they have finally seen Christ face to face. That's the perfect. Now, Clay, are you saying scripture in the Bible is not perfect? No, it is. It is. But that's not what he's talking about in that context. He's not talking about that. He is talking about seeing Christ face to face and we are fully redeemed. Now, then you then you will have knowledge in full. You won't need a word of knowledge because you'll know all things. You won't need to speak in tongues because you'll have full communion with the father. You won't need a miracle because every single one of us will be healed completely, spirit, soul and body. I about about shouted again, but I am restraining myself tonight. I'm doing good. So he said this. He says, look, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. And then he says, look at verse 7. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now notice verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Now, it sounds like to me he actually commanded them. He says, I want you all to go into every city. He said, I want you to to, to, to preach the kingdom of God and say, kingdom of heaven is at hand and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead and cast out devils. Now, he says this again in Luke 9. He sends them out with power and authority to heal all manner of sickness and disease And they have power and authority over every demon spirit. Now, let me ask you something. Do you have power and authority to heal all manner of sickness and disease and over every demon spirit? Yes, you do. And I'll tell you why you do. Because multiple times, Paul says in the scripture in the New Testament that we are in him. And if I'm in Christ then Christ has all power and authority. And it's not about what I have as an individual as clay. I've not earned it. I have by grace been placed inside of him. So I'm now representative of him and the same power and the same authority that he was given, he has given it to me. And that's what he said, "All, all, all power and authority have been given to me, therefore go, preach, right? And signs will follow. So we got that established, right? Now here's the issue. Some people will say, well, what if that sickness was from God? Or, or I don't know if it's God's will or if it's God's timing. Or maybe this person has some kind of bitterness in their heart that's preventing them from getting healed. How do I actually know? Now here's my fear. And it's, it was Paul's fear in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3. He said, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, you remember how, if you read the Bible, honestly, healing miracles, it's simple. It's not even something that you really need to spend a whole lot of time debating in your mind as to whether or not it's real. Or or, or these things are, are, are real or if God wants them to happen. If you read it in Scripture, it's very simple. And you remember how simple it was in the garden? God says, don't eat tree, right? I mean, that's pretty simple. And he says, somehow, Satan comes in and by his craftiness brings you all kinds of doctrine and different ways of thinking and, and theology and different ways of looking at God and looking at yourself. And the next thing you know, you're so confused that He has brought you away from the simplicity that is really in Christ. Somebody, you feel that? And we don't want to get away from that simplicity. Now see, if you've got a hundred people, everyone is going to have their own story about healing or about what God does based on their own life experience. But just like I said... We cannot, I cannot, look, right now I'm dealing with two health issues in my very own life. Something went wrong with my eye and I got another issue that I just don't want to talk to you about, right? It's personal, okay? But in those issues, I can either say, well, you know, God must just not heal because I've been praying and it's not come through. I can do that. I can be tempted to do that. But see, I don't ground my faith and anchor my faith In my experience or in the fallenness of my body, I anchor my faith in the foundation of God's Word and the life of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense to you? Because if I go based on what I see in my natural eye and based on what's happening in my body, I mean, right now, you know, we've, we've been praying for Kimber. We've been praying for Kimber. And what we see is this constant nagging sickness, and it aggravates us. But i tell you, one of the reasons it aggravates us so much is because we know that in Christ we have healing. And we see it as a battle. We don't see it as, well, maybe this is just God's will. It is not God's will for that child to be sick. And we stand there and we don't care because what the devil will do is try to grind it and press it until finally you give in and you don't put up a fight anymore. And because you've lost so many battles, you begin to question whether or not God heals at all. That's the battle where he's winning because he's convincing Christians that God no longer does this type of thing. That God can't move like this. And you say, well, you know, Clay, I, I, I don't know. See, and the issue is Jesus begins to, sh- to say, even when he went into his hometown, it said there he could do no mighty work. Why? Because of their unbelief. And when he when Satan can convince us that the things in the word of God are no longer true and we begin to doubt and question whether God does anything anymore. Man, not only will you not see people get healed, you won't see people get saved because you don't believe any longer. And man, we got to move into a place where we begin to believe that what God says in his word, he will do and greater things than these will he do. That's what he even said. He said, look, fellas, I'm leaving. John 14, 14. He says, and the works that I do, you shall do also. And even greater works than these shall you do because I go to my father. Now, he was setting the bar pretty high, wasn't he? He's trying to move it, move us into that. And we've got to begin to believe that he's given us that authority even when we're not seeing breakthrough. And here's the thing. We have to anchor our our faith in the truth of God's word even when we're not seeing breakthrough or you will be blown and tossed by every wind of experience that you have. And every time something negative happens, you'll chalk it up as another check. Well, I guess God doesn't do these things anymore. I guess God doesn't heal. And rather than fight, you will move into unbelief. And then you will create a actual culture where God no longer moves anymore. And there are churches that have created a culture of unbelief and God never moves in them. Smart men get up and teach the Bible, but God no longer moves because they no longer believe. That's why when you teach, you don't teach unbelief. There, there are teachers that get up and teach and infect the people with unbelief, and make you. Cl- There's a book out right now, thirty three reasons why people aren't healed. I, you, you have me that book, I'll be liable to burn it. I don't need somebody giving me thirty three reasons to doubt. I need somebody giving me thirty three reasons to believe. Thirty three reasons why God still does heal people. Amen. I, need, I don't need somebody, a naysayer, I need somebody that is going to feed my faith, not feed my unbelief. Don't be writing me a book on that stuff. Be writing me a book on why God's word is still true. Be writing me a book on why Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be writing me a book on, on maybe why it is, what, what is, is in our mind that somehow we don't believe the same way that the apostles who saw Jesus believed. Why are we not pursuing what God has paid for us in his word to pursue? Write me a book on that and tell me how to get there. But don't write me a one on how why, why, why stuff ain't happening no more. I don't want to hear that. It'll infect you. It'll get in your mind. And see, here's the other thing. We want to look to scripture and I let scripture be the truth in every man a liar. Let the word of God be true in every man a liar. That's what the word of God says. And so I can, base, I can base what I believe on two things. I base it on the Word of God first. Secondly, I base it on the life of Jesus Christ. And do you know why I base it on the life of Jesus Christ? Because the scripture says, Hebrews 1 3, that He is the express image of His person. Colossians 1.15 says that He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said about Himself, if you've seen the Father, guess what? You've seen me. John 1.18 says that no man has seen God at any time. All these dudes in the Old Testament caught glimpses. He says no man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has revealed Him to us. In other words, if you want to see what God is like and what He does and what He's thinking, look to Jesus. You want to see how God feels about healing? How did Jesus operate in healing? What did He do when people were sick? That's how you know what God wants to do, because he is the full express image of the invisible God. And when you get into that, you start to begin to understand, okay, man, there's something different about Jesus, and he's demonstrating to me what the Father wants to do. And, you know, I was teaching, I was te- I was teaching last week about Joshua and Caleb. I was preaching, and, and I was talking about, you know, they saw the promised land, And 10 people brought back a negative report, but the two said, we're well able to overcome this, Joshua and Caleb. Now, I begin to think about this in different circumstances. I'm studying this message because when we look at cancer and we look at disease and when we look at sicknesses that destroy people's bodies and destroy people's lives, what kind of report do we bring back from that? Because what we see those as are giants, don't we? We see cancer and disease and sickness and all these things. We see them as giants. And when we see them, we get so frightened that we begin to back down. And when we pray, we we even pray as if we're wondering whether or not God actually wants to heal the person or not. And they had a different eye, though. They said, we're well able to overcome this. And see, we have to get a different eye concerning those things. What if, when we see those things, sickness and disease doesn't really move us, but the Word of God moves us? You know, Bill Johnson, who teaches out at Bethel, he talks about healing a lot. But one of the things that he says, he says, the renewed mind is a mind that gets excited when it sees disease. It gets excited when it sees sickness. Can your mind actually get renewed to the point that when you see somebody in torment or see somebody in sickness or see somebody in bondage, that all of a sudden you get pumped because you know that your God is greater than that thing is? And you're like, man, we're about to see God encounter something. We're about to see a crazy miracle. Now, that would be insane if we. How many of y'all in here have got your mind renewed to that point that when you see a wheelchair, you get excited? You never have. Right. But, but, but my point is, can we get there? Yes, we can get there. Should we get there? Well, I don't know. That's a little bit scary. See, because even when I say those things, Satan has sort of tuned us to saying, Clay, that's a little bit too radical. You'll frighten people. You'll scare people. They'll think you're weird. You know what? I'm already weird. I'm already weird. And it's, it's right. And, and, and it's, it's good to go ahead and lock yourself into the weird weird Christian thing so that when you do something crazy, they just it's just like, yeah, you didn't have to tell me, bro. I already knew. I knew it was like this. I mean, Jesus was looked at as weird quite a bit. And here's, here's the thing. When, when we're praying for people for the sick, you can put a lot of pressure on yourself to make it happen. And, and, and I feel like sometimes there's this real insecurity that comes when you're praying for people. And sometimes I've noticed also that people want to be so accepted and they're so insecure in their ability to pray well that all of a sudden you see somebody sick and rather than praying for them because you want to see them healed, you get caught up in, I want to sound good when I pray this or I want to look good and I'm afraid of what they'll think about me. And all of a sudden you move yourself out of the mind of Christ and you're not, you're not enabling the power to flow through you because you're focused on yourself. You're not focused on Jesus healing this person anymore. You're focused on whether or not you sound good when you pray. Who cares? Doesn't matter if you sound good or not. You look, at the, you look at the disciples and the apostles, when they prayed for a sick person, if you read the stories, they never even said much. I mean, everything they did was a short, brief command, rise, hey, take up your bed. I'm like, I'm like he didn't even say in Jesus' name. <laughs> I mean, my Lord, how could that work? He didn't give the token on the end. How can somebody get healed and you not even say in Jesus' name? Let me tell you something. In Jesus' name is not a magic spell that you add on the end of the prayer that makes it, that makes it work. It's really not. It's really not. In Jesus' name literally means this. It means, see, when they prayed, there's only a couple of times that you actually see them praying in Jesus' name. There was one time when I think it was Paul in Acts 16 when he cast the demon out of a woman. And I guess he just got real fired up because sometimes you get fired up, you know, especially when you're dealing with devils. And it just sort of comes out of you. He said, come out of her in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, my wife laughs at me because sometimes when I get real serious, I'll say in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I'm like, I want you to know where my Lord was born, son. You know, yeah, he 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 come out of Nazareth. Every now and then, just remind the devil. I ain't talking about the Jesus over here in America. I'm talking the one that walked down in Nazareth. You knew all about him. But see, most of the time, they wouldn't even have to say that because in Jesus' name means, it means that I'm coming as his ambassador. I'm speaking on his behalf. Let me put it to you like this. A state police officer, a state trooper, when they come, they wear a badge. And guess what? They're coming in the name of the state of Kentucky. And the state of Kentucky has laws. Now, when they come in the name of the state of Kentucky and you've broken one of those laws, they don't have to call the state and say, can I, can I arrest this person? They'd say, no, bro, we have deputized you. You're standing there in our name, in our authority. Arrest him. In other words, Jesus is saying, you don't have to ask me for some things because some things I've already deputized you to take care of as my ambassador in my name. So quit asking me for it and declare it and speak it and do it in my name. When you do it in his name, you're doing it in his nature. You already know what he would do if he was standing here. So just speak it out and do it because you're here as his representative. You're doing it in his name. Now, it's okay to add in his name on the end of it, but that's not what it means. That's not what it means. He, Jesus didn't say anything you ask in my name. He, what he did not mean by that. And that's what created the tradition of every time you get done with a prayer, you say in Jesus' name. You know that you don't even have to say it. You can pray for the sick to be healed and not even say in Jesus' name at the end of it and God will still heal them. You know why? Because it's not in name in word. It's in name in your heart, your identity. When Paul goes to cast out the devil out of this, the, these seven sons of Sceva, and he says, or they, they, they see that Paul's casting the devil out. And these, these guys go and they try to cast the devil out of this other guy. And the demon speaks and says, hey, we know Jesus and we know Paul. But who are you? They weren't coming in his name. You understand that? They didn't know him. They didn't have that relationship with him. And when you have that relationship with him, you walk in his authority, you walk in his name. And see, that's why Peter and John could walk up to the, at the hour of prayer and see a lame man standing and they didn't, lay, they didn't get down, they didn't bow down and they didn't say, Father, if it be your will, please stretch forth your hand and touch his fevered brow and begin to raise him up at this instant. They didn't ask him. They said, hey, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give it unto you rise up on your feet didn't say in Jesus name either just think about that for a minute because it changes the way that you begin to see sickness and disease you begin to see one that God hates it and two he sent you as his representative and he's not looking for you to pray some kind of big fancy prayer he's not even looking for you to ask him most of the time he's looking for you to speak to that thing in the authority that he's given you y'all good now, I know if you preach this in some places, they'll just go ahead and kick you right on out. Uh, mister, you care to leave? You care to exit the side there? But, but this, is what, this is what Scripture teaches. I just like to go based on what Scripture teaches. Y'all with me? All right. Now, I may teach a little bit longer than that, but y'all don't care because you, you love the Bible. You love the Bible. So we've got to humble ourselves, set aside our experiences, and root ourselves, ground ourselves in the word of God. So let's just look at Isaiah 53 for a second. Let's just look at Scripture, what Scripture says. Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Everybody knows knows these verses, you know, have heard these verses. But again, we need to see them in a fresh light. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now, even in my Bible, which is a New King James Version, it gives me the literal translation over here in the you know, I'll be honest with you, the New King James Version and the King James, the King James Version was written in 1611. Now, at that time, you had a pretty dormant period in, in, in Christianity, I've got to be honest with you. And I imagine when some of these people translated these verses, they, they were afraid to give some literal uh, translations or whatever for various reasons. But in my Bible, in the center column reference, it's an actual, actual translation of the Hebrew. It says, sicknesses and pains. So it should read, surely He has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, 1 Peter 2.24 takes this another one, because I love this. Isaiah was looking at the cross in the future tense. 600 years into the future, he saw the cross of Jesus, and he says, By his stripes we are healed, present tense. Then after the cross, Peter saw it. And in 1 Peter 2.24, he actually changes this verse. And he says, by his stripes, we were healed. Before the cross, we are healed by it. After the cross, we were healed by it. That means that he has already purchased and paid for your healing. He bore your sicknesses. He took your pains. On the cross is where it happened. It was paid for in the atonement, right? Y'all got those verses? Now, Matthew, Matthew quotes these same verses. And I love it because I love, you know, one time I was in a Bible study with one guy and we were reading that in Isaiah and we were talking about healing. And he said, well, I think that's, that's just talking about spiritual healing, Clay. I said, I think it's talking about spiritual healing too. I think you just need to, Cut the just out of it because it's talking about more than just spiritual healing. It's talking about healing on an entire level. And he said, Well, how do you know? I said, Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 8 because Matthew chapter 8 says this. If you look in verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. I love that right there because a lot of demons that I've seen come out of people, you know how they came out? With a word. I imagine the word that he gave was, hey, go. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he had to sit there and beg the devils to leave. He said, go. And with a word, they left. Because he knew who who he was and they knew who he was. But notice, and it says, he cast out the spirit with a word and he healed all who were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, he himself Took our sicknesses. He, he, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. He is quoting Isaiah fifty-three right there, and he's referring to people getting delivered from demons and all who were sick coming to him and being healed. So we see that in Scripture, right now in John chapter three. I'm just reading a few different verses to give us some biblical foundation. John chapter three. I love this. I've taught on this several times. Everybody knows John three sixteen, but nobody really pays attention to fourteen and fifteen right before it. John 3, verse 14 and 15 says, It says, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, as Moses lifted the serpent up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, there's a story in Numbers chapter 21. It's a crazy story because what happens is all of the children of Israel are beginning to be bitten by serpents and they're dying because of it. Now, do y'all know the international symbol for medicine? Has anybody ever seen it? It's like it's like on a it's on an ambulance sometimes. It's a pole with a snake wrapped around it. Now, I'm imagining they got that from Numbers 21 and right there from John because because of the healing that comes in that passage. And and that's what you see. It's a pole with a snake wrapped around it. Now, all of Israel were getting bit by serpents. And God says to Moses, Moses, here's what you're going to do. You're going to take a pole and you're going to take the thing that is infecting and killing the people and bringing bodily sickness to them and killing them. And you're going to wrap it on that pole and hang it up. And they're going to look at it. And it says, when every one of them looked at it, they were all immediately healed in their bodies. Point being... It is a picture and it is a type. Here's what they knew. They knew, according to their scriptures, that anything that hung on a pole or hung on a tree was cursed. That's what they knew. It was in the Bible. They knew it. They said anything hung on a pole or hung on a tree is cursed. So what God was saying is, take the thing that is bringing sickness Put it up on there just to demonstrate that it's being cursed. And what Jesus is saying is that when he was sitting there taking all of those stripes on his back, I need you to understand this deeply. Because there's a reason he was being beaten and split open and cut open with those stripes. 39 times he was being opened up in his back. And in that moment, what was he doing? He was bearing your pain and taking your sicknesses upon himself. And as he was bleeding out, he said, no, I can't just die here. I've got to take it to the cross so that all the people can know that these sicknesses, these diseases and these pains are cursed by God. They're cursed by God. When God looks at your sickness, he looks at your disease. He looks at the disease. He looks at the sickness that is, that is in our children. He doesn't say, well, I'm, I'm using... One thing Jesus never said in the Bible. I could give you several things that he never... Oh, it's almost more important to say what Jesus never said than the things that he does say. Because one thing that he never said was, I'm using this sickness to teach you a lesson. You think God can't teach you a lesson and you be healthy? I've had him teach me all kinds of lessons. I never had to be sick at all. He's He's God. He don't need to get me sick to teach me a lesson. But I tell you what the devil would love to do is keep you sick and say, this is is God doing this to you because he's trying to teach you something. And meanwhile, you get so self-focused that you're not even ministering for God anymore. You're not believing God anymore and you're remaining in that place. Now, I don't want to bring any condemnation on people who are sick. Listen, we're in a battle. Like I said, I got issues right now. We all got issues, but I'm not going to wallow in self-pity over it. I'm going to believe God and no matter how long it takes, I'm going to continue to press in for healing. Because not only that, there's a lot of people out in our world that they need healing and we have to be bold enough to pursue it for them. And maybe we're not going to see victory in every area, but it's important that we still go after it. All those illnesses, all those diseases, all those sicknesses are cursed by God. He hates them. You know, there's a verse that just came to my mind. I think it's in 1 Corinthians six. And it talks about how you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he says, whoever will destroy the temple of the Holy Spirit, God will destroy them. If a sickness destroys the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know what God's going to do? He's going to destroy that sickness because you're his temple. You think he wants his temple being all messed up and hurting and in pain? See, what I'm, what's happening right now, as you're even listening to it, is I, I guarantee you, like, there's rewiring happening in your mind. Would you agree with me on that? There's just some rewiring going. Because here's the other thing. You can teach this one time and give it two months, you'll get rewired again by the world. And will make you think something different. Your experiences. this is why we have to stay in the Scripture. We continue teaching. We continue learning. Mark chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, there was a man that was paralyzed. There was a man that was paralyzed, his, his buddies. I love this. I want you to consider this. He was paralyzed. His buddies came to where Jesus was at, tore the roof off of a building, lowered him down into there. And Jesus looks over at him and all the Pharisees, the religious people who didn't like him healing people, uh, looked at him and they begin to reason in their hearts, you know, this type of stuff. The first thing Jesus says to this man is not anything about being healed. What does he say? He says, Son, your sins are forgiven you. That boy didn't need mass for forgiveness. Jesus said, I'm giving you forgiveness for you. You for it. That's how much I love you. Your sins are forgiven you. Okay. The Pharisees, the religious people, they don't like that. Who are you to forgive sins? You can't forgive sins. Then he makes his statement. He says, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven you or rise, take up your mat and walk. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. I say to you, rise, take up your mat and walk. And the man was healed from that hour. And he got up, paralyzed his whole life, and began to walk. Now, which is easier to say? I'm thinking, Jesus, they're two totally different things. But if I'm going to say, yeah, it's way easier for me to say, Brian, your sins are forgiven you. Then rise, take up your bed and walk, be healed. It's far easier to say your sins are forgiven you. Why? Because you can't see that. That's not a physical manifestation. But Jesus is saying, even though it looks totally different and it's easier to say your sins are forgiven you, he says both of them are purchased at the same time on the cross in the same way. Now, I want you to understand something. You can say, well, I've been praying for Uncle Johnny for 10 years and he still hasn't got saved. I'm never ever trying to pray and preach the gospel to anybody anymore. Nobody does that, do they? I don't think. No. Because they believe that God's going to save some people. But what happens is, is we pray for somebody to be healed and it doesn't happen. And we say, well, I'm never doing that again. And he said, no, they're both paid for on the cross. And in Scripture, they are, they are lined up together several times. Psalm 103, for one. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all of His benefits. Who Forgives all your iniquities. Number two, who heals all your diseases. Right there side by side. You read in James chapter 5 verse 15. He says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. Right? They go hand in hand right there together. There's confession of sins and there's healing release. They go together. And in Isaiah 53, we see that he is bruised for our iniquities. Right. Forgiveness of sins and by his stripes we are healed. Right. There's healing side by side. So he paid for them both at the same time. Now, I want you to notice another thing about about salvation. Salvation. My buddy Richard, this is pretty cool. He he was he was dealing with a hard time in his life and going through something and he was asking God for a word. And uh, and and so he woke up, I guess, early in the morning and he said this word was just coming to my mind. Just so so vibrant, I couldn't get it off my mind. And so he, he said, I wrote it down and I actually looked it up, but he, he, he sent me a message. He said, does this word mean anything to you? I said, what is it? He said, sozo. I said, S-O-Z-O? He said, yeah. I said, that's a Greek word, buddy. And I said, it's used in the New Testament more times than you could ever imagine. And it is the Greek word for Saved. And I said, but the most interesting thing about it is, is in American Christianity, we've used that word and said you're saved and me, and, and turned it to mean that you get to go to heaven when you die. Yeah. But when it's used in scripture, it is very rarely used for that. Let me give you a few examples. James 5, 16, for example, says, and the prayer of faith shall sozo the sick It's the word we use for saved. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. Confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed, sozoed. Notice that. It's the same word we talk about getting saved, right? Because the word sozo means in the Greek language, saved, healed, delivered, protected, preserved, and made completely whole. That's what it means. You look in, in, in Mark 6, it says, As many as touched the hem of his garment were, were completely made whole, they were completely, in the Greek, sozoed, saved. 1 Timothy 2.4, God our Savior desires that all men are sozoed. That means he wants all of them to, not, to be believers in Jesus, yes, but he also wants them all to be healed, spirit, soul, and body. And let me tell you something. We live in the already not yet tension of that. We ain't going to see everybody healed until Jesus comes back. We're not. And at that that moment, there'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more disease. He'll wipe every tear from every eye. But until then, we're pressing forward because we believe that He's giving us a down payment of the Spirit and we are to seek His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means that if we we are the Christian church and we are His body, then we are seeing healing taking place, spirit, soul, and body, until it begins to expand in our region and throughout our church and beyond our church until we begin to see a community saved. Why? Because God our Savior is willing that all all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. He, do y'all believe that? Do you believe that he wants everybody in the world saved? I know a lot of people don't. And that's their prerogative. Again, I'm just going to go based on scripture. I mean, that was pretty simple, isn't it? God, our Savior, desires that all would be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So Matthew chapter 8, a, a, a leper comes to Jesus, verse 2 and 3. The leper comes to him, he says, If you are willing, I know you can can make me whole. Jesus responds to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Now he uses a very unique word in the Greek language, it's called thalo. And thalo does not just mean I am willing, it means it is my will and I desire it for you, and it has a future tense. What he's saying is, it is my will for you to be cleansed. And not only that, I desire it for you. And it will be that way forever. That's what that word means. So we question whether or not it's God's timing. Let me ask you something. Can you find me a place in scripture where a sick person ever came to Jesus? And he said, it's just not time. My father's using this for a purpose. Not one. Every single time anybody ever came to him, they were completely made whole. Now, there were some times when it had to be progressive there were some times when he tried to heal some sick folk in his own hometown, but because of their unbelief, they didn't see him as Lord. They didn't have faith in him. They just saw him as a mere man. And because of that, there was a, uh, th- their unbelief hindered the move of God. I'm telling you, every Sunday in almost every church in the world, the move of God is hindered through unbelief. We come in and we doubt and we've got, to, we've got to renew our minds so that that is, is absolutely changed. Today is the day of salvation. It's God's will to heal today. So, like I said, you see that in the life of Jesus. Now, I want you to think about a few more things. Y'all still good with me? I'm, a, I'm finishing up, but I, I just want to make sure that we get this rooted in our minds. We're doing some brainwashing this morning. Somebody, somebody said one time about my teaching, you, buddy, you better be careful down there at Clay Bishop. Hill will you. You're absolutely right, I will. <laughs> I will wash your brain in the word of God and you will get brainwashed. I want you to be brainwashed, not in a negative sense. I want the word of God to cleanse your brain so that you think according to what God is thinking. I want to be thinking that way. So I'm trying to do a brainwash here tonight. But Jesus, when he talked about the the cause and source of sickness, do you know who he often attributed it to? From what I can tell, he always attributed it to... The devil. Matter of fact, I mean, there was a woman b- bent over in her back. And he, and he actually said after he healed her, he said, woman, be loose from this infirmity. And then after she was healed, he got an argument with some religious people. And they were mad because he healed on the Sabbath. And he said, ought not this woman who was bound by Satan these 18 years be loosed on the Sabbath day? He attributed that sickness, that disease in her body to Satan. Acts 10, 38, a key verse in Scripture. Peter's talking about Jesus. He says, we were telling you about how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. The same way you're anointed with the Holy Spirit and power now. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. So he looked at sickness and healing as something where the devil had somehow oppressed us. Now, it can happen on two forms. It can literally be a demonic, demonic activity in a person's life. Or it can be just the fact that Satan was the one who led us into the fall. And therefore, our bodies are suffering the consequences. Either way, when he brings restoration, he sees it as a direct attack on the kingdom of darkness. And that pumps me up. Now, you know, Barb and I, we got history because we talk, we talk about it all the time. But, and every time I talk about it, it gives me faith again. Right, Barb? You too? Barb had a torn rotator cuff, and her, and I prayed for it. Is the first time I'd ever seen God instantly heal somebody. He healed her rotator cuff. She didn't have to have surgery. It was amazing. Bless the Lord. And you know what that is? That is an assault on the kingdom of darkness. That's what it is. And when you could say, well, it was it was the Lord's will for her, but that ain't forever torn rotator cuff. You better watch your mouth. <laughs> I mean. I mean, based on Scripture, I can't. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I've prayed for other rotator cuffs. I've seen another one healed, but I've I've seen several that I prayed for that didn't get healed. Now, does that mean that that wasn't God's will? No, it does not mean that it wasn't God's will. Do I know all the mysteries of the heavenly realms and the spiritual realms and how angels are functioning in the unseen and how our bodies function and whether or not there is unforgiveness? I have no idea all those things. But Jesus didn't tell me to analyze all that, He said, heal the sick. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. When it doesn't happen, I can't say, well, why didn't that work and begin to analyze it? I go back to what the Word of God says. I go back to my prayer closet. I say, Lord, anoint me with the Spirit of God and with power and give me the faith to go out once again and pray for people once again and see you bring breakthrough and see you bring healing and see you bring deliverance because just because I didn't see it this time is not going to change me. Matter of fact, it's just going to fire me up to press in further. That has to be your mentality as a Christian. That you push in a little bit further. That you don't let it back you up, you push in further. Listen, I've had instances, we've had in, we know of instances where we see people that are demonized and we don't get breakthrough the first time we meet with them. Now, what you could say is, well, it must not be the Lord's will. Lord must want this woman tormented. Well, one, that would make you an idiot. I know that's rude, but sometimes you've got to be rude to break off that religious, yeah. that religious ignorance. Yeah. No. But even Jesus, whenever he was trying to trying to heal one, the, the disciples were trying to heal a, a, a man's boy who had been tormented. And this demon would, would come on him and he had, he had epilept, epileptic seizures and he'd throw him in the fire and he'd throw him in the water. And the disciples come and could not cast the devil out of him. And Jesus comes down and he and he begins to just sort of he's, he's grieved and he's shocked by what? Their unbelief. And he said, boys, I've told you, he said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you should be able to say to this mountain, be, be removed and cast in the sea and it shall obey you. And they said, Lord, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus comes and cast it out. They said, Lord, why couldn't we cast it out? And he said, because of your unbelief. And he says, but this kind does not go out but by prayer and fasting. What's he saying? He's saying you live in a world where you get contaminated by the thoughts of this world and every now and then your contamination keeps you from having the breakthrough that I've given you to have and so you need to come back, you need to disconnect from the world, you need to fast, you need to pray, you need to reconnect to me and then you will walk back in my power once again. You'll go back to that devil and you'll be walking in my name and you'll see the breakthrough coming. Amen? Is this, is this getting down in your bone marrow at all? 1 John 3, 8. The Son of God was manifested for this purpose. To destroy the works of the devil. And I don't know about you, but you, you read the Gospels. What does he go around doing a lot? Healing people? Raising the dead? John 10, 10 is really just like the, the most simple verse that makes sense of everything. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What does that mean? If I see loss, death, or destruction, I do not see the work of God. I see the work of the one called the thief. Loss, death, and destruction. Well, that must just be God's will. No, loss, death, and destruction comes from the thief. He comes from the enemy. If I see life and life more abundantly, I know, okay, this is Jesus' work. And we live in a world, folks... Where you see primarily the devil at work. Why? Because he gave the world to humanity, and humanity was deceived. And therefore, we follow the ways of darkness, and we see darkness all around the world. And God didn't just say, well, I'll come in and fix some stuff when I want to and not fix other stuff when I don't want to. No, He said, I died on the cross, I restored you, I've given you salvation, and now the authority is back in your hands. It is in your control and in your power to make sure the world changes. If somebody's going to get healed, it ain't going to be just because God decides, let me just heal about 30 right there right quick. It's going to be because Christians realize that they are the body of Christ and healing is going to flow through us to the world. Right? Why would he give gifts of healings? He's just going to be the one that does all the healing. He is the one that does it, but he does it through his body. He does it through the body of Christ. And you say, man, that's just too much responsibility for me, Clay. Step into it, man. Let it, let it, let it just charge you up and say, oh, you know what? I'm going to take on this responsibility. And I promise you, you do have a responsibility. Us hearing this word and knowing these truths, here's what I sense by this there's some weight on it. And it's not a word of condemnation. You're not going to get to heaven and, and the Lord be like, Phew. He's, he's going to be happy to see you, I promise. But you need to understand that every work that we do, not our sins, our sins will not be judged because they've been, they've been forgiven completely. There'll be no punishment left for us because Jesus was fully punished for us. But our works will be judged. And everything that we've done or not done will be tested in fire. And it will be burnt up. And because I have the knowledge of this, and because if I allow my fear to say, I'm not going to pray for the sick... What, what will happen is that lack of work in my life based on the knowledge that I have because I didn't pray for the sick, it is going to burn up and it's not going to be lasting an eternal reward that, that Christ has for me. And you say, well, yeah, but when I pray for people, nothing happens, so I wouldn't get a reward anyway. It's not about whether or not you see people healed. It's about whether or not you obey God. Obedience is what he's after. I told you I was listening to a guy the other day that talked about he must have prayed for a thousand people before he actually saw God break through and start really healing people regularly in his life. And and he said that he thought that the Lord was actually challenging him and putting, putting him to the test and purifying him and bringing him to a place of humility because he was obedient a thousand times seeing God do nothing. And he realized that he was nothing. And all of a sudden when that happened, God said, now I can use you. Now I can flow through you and now healing can flow. And he started seeing people healed all the time. Does that make sense to you, though? I mean, why would God... You know, if my heart's in a jacked-up condition, and I went around and I prayed for everybody, and everybody I prayed for got healed, what do you think would happen? I'd probably come in here with a white suit, son, on Sunday morning. I have, I have Jeremy carrying my Bible up to the platform. I'd begin to preach like this. And I'd just wave over here at this section, you know what I'm saying? Because you... It would mess with you, wouldn't it? Y'all understand that we're in process, we're growing, but just because we fail, just because we fail does not give us the right to stop pursuing. It doesn't give us the right to disobey God. Man, that's goofy. But that's what would happen. I I can tell you right now, it's a good thing everybody I pray for don't get healed, honestly, for my sake. There have been people throughout history who've had amazing ministries, amazing healing ministries, and it did go to their head, and they did have a fall. I can tell you names. You can look them up. William Branham, John Alexander Dowie. These are men who had amazing healing ministries, but because they begin to be glorified before men. But what happens if God so uses all of us individually as a church that we all get confused on who's actually he, he's operating through? I'm conf- I don't know who, who, it flew through, who it went through then. It doesn't matter. If it just flows through us all corporately as a a church, none of us can take the glory. We got to give it to Him. God, I'm not sure who you used right then, but that woman got healed. We'll start seeing during worship people getting healed. Listen, I just want to say that and let the angels know as they're listening. They're in here listening. And I want them to know that it's a normal thing. You know that the angels listen to us teach and they listen to us preach and they watch what we do? And through us, the manifold wisdom of God is being revealed to the principalities and the powers. That's insane, isn't it? That means you have angels in this room watching you, listening to you, seeing what we're talking about. Because they're learning about God through us. And they're listening. And I'm telling them right now, and I'm te- as I'm telling you, that it is a normal thing. It is a normal thing for people to just get healed during worship. It is a normal thing. Okay? Okay? Oh man, I, I just felt like a little wave of joy right there. I looked over at Justin one time, we were in a service and somebody started hollering joy and he looked over at me and I went, uh-huh. <laughs> oh Oh man. So we believe it's God's time. I'm about to quit. I just really, I, you know, there's some things that you want, you, we want to have lab time for, but there's some things it's like, okay, we got to get this, right? We, we have to teach on this. And that's one of the thing, reasons this, these lab nights are important. So we have to remove some limiting beliefs that prevent the power of God from fl- flowing. And we've got to begin to believe this. And some people say, well, is it God's will or is it God's timing? Yes, it is. But is it pre- presumptive? Who, who am I to heal the sick? And just like what we said, you're a believer. You're in Christ. He's clothed you with power. That means ability. Not only that, He's given you authority. That means permission. So you need to see yourself with a badge on you that says in Jesus' name on it if you want to. And that means that you come in all the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And Matthew 16, 16 says that He gives you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever is bound in heaven, you shall bind on earth. And whatever is loosed in heaven, you shall loose on earth. What are, you, what are you doing? When, when, when they send a, a police officer out, what does he do? He comes in the name of the state of Kentucky and they say, hey, whatever we said is unlawful, you go and bind it. Arrest it. He says, but whatever is lawful, you just let it run free. Don't touch it. And so what we see is that healing in the kingdom of heaven, health, wholeness, it's lawful. We loose it to people. We release it. We give it. But we see that sickness, that disease, that fear, that torment from the demonic is unlawful in the kingdom of heaven, and therefore we bind it, and we say no more to it. So you got to take an authoritative stance. Now I want you to understand. The, one of the things that I that I began. We're going to pray for people here, man. One of the things that I understood. And 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 I don't know if Barb remembers how I prayed, but I sort of do because I got it in my mind, man. I've been praying. I've been fasting about it. I'm like, Lord, I want to see some people healed. And I heard Barb out, outside of the office, and she was telling somebody, you know, that she couldn't lift her arm. And she was sad about it because she couldn't pick up the baby. She was probably talking about uh, Noah and them at that point, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, Isaiah. You. Yeah, so 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 that's who she was talking about. She couldn't pick them up because of that. And so all of a sudden... <gasps> I felt, I was like, oh gosh, I've been praying about this. You know how you pray about stuff and then when the actual opportunity comes, you get scared and you just back out? Lord, let me pray for the sick. And then all of a sudden a sick person walks by and you're like. (laughs) So, so, yeah, I don't know. I I got scared. I actually went to the bathroom. She probably wouldn't have let me lay my hands on her if she'd have known that. Uh, But I said, Lord, I'm gonna pray for her. And I'm, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. And, I, and she was in there in the filing cabinet room, and I went in there. But I put my hands on her shoulder, and I just said this. Father, I believe on the cross you took our sins, you took our sicknesses, you took our pains. And so right now, I, I command this rotator cuff to be healed in Jesus' name. Now, I don't know if you felt anything or if you remember it or not, but she just started lifting her arm, and she was like, I think she said, I swanee because she says that sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, yeah, and, <laughs> and yeah, and it was, and it just was, and it just, and it was just healed. I have no idea what happened. All I know is I was, I was obeying what I believe the Lord was telling me to do, and I didn't, I didn't pray, I didn't ask, Father, if it be Your will, stretch forth Your hand, touch her. No, I commanded it. Why? Because I was in His name and in heaven there are no torn rotator cuffs. In heaven there are only arms that can hold their babies. And when you come into alignment with that, and here's what you need to realize, every human being, Jesus died on the cross for, did He die for us when, when we were saved and when we were fixed and we were doing better? Oh, it says He died for us when we were ungodly. That means that no matter what kind of shape they're in, He has proclaimed for them to be worthy of healing and deliverance. They're all worthy. They're all, he's made them worthy by His blood. And He paid that ultimate price. And you know what? I want to give Him what He paid for. You feel me on that? So listen, we're going we're to pray for people. How many people right now, just, just do this with me. How many people right now you have something in your body or some kind, just anything at all that you'd like to receive healing from? Just lift your hand, hold it up there for a minute. So we got a lot of people. Could you maybe maybe y'all just stand up, the ones that did lift your hand, so I can look at you for a minute. Now I want I want at least one person to go to each of these people. So so let me make sure that we got one person on each of these people that that doesn't need prayer.